Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Let me tell you something. If the only place that you can find what you're looking for is coming from the enemy's camp, you don't need it. It'll destroy your spiritual life. It'll wind up leaving you dead. It'll wind up leaving you spiritually trampled on. It'll wind up leading you to a place of bondage. If the world is the only place offering it, stay away from it. So what if you don't fit in with the rest of the world? So what if you don't go to the places that they all go to? Let me tell you something. We're at the end of this life. I don't plan on going to the same place that everybody else is going to. So why should I start now? Amen. I've got a narrow way to go town. I've got a narrow way to travel. Not a broad way that leads to destruction. God, praise God, hallelujah. Judges chapter 16, verse 16. The story of Samson, I preached probably seven or eight months ago about Samson. I just felt to revisit the story again today from a slightly different perspective. You know, every superhero has their weakness. you uh, superhero fans I know, yeah I know you got all the t-shirts Superman has his kryptonite they, they've all got their problems you know and that's why that's why that's why the superheroes are always disguised although come on let's be honest Clark Kent I mean his glasses hurt his, despi- his disguise really I mean I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, just because you put a little curl in your hair and throw some glasses on, buddy, I, I know who you are, okay? I, I would think people would know who you are, but, but they, they like their disguise because they're, they're disguised, they're, they're, they're different. It sets them apart. It, it protects them because they are different because of their weakness. They don't want somebody to know what their weakness is. Samson, in my opinion, is a biblical superhero. He's got powers that the average man doesn't have. Strength that the average man, the average human being did not have. It was a supernatural power. But Samson had a weakness. A weakness that he kept secret. Samson had a kryptonite. And the part of the word that we're going to be reading here is when Samson reveals his well-kept secret to somebody he feels that he can trust only to find out that he should have never put his confidence in this woman. Chapter 16 of verse 16 of Judges says, And it came to pass that when she or Delilah pressed him daily with her words, every day Samson would be in this woman's company. And every day, the Bible says, she would try to coerce him and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. That he told her all his heart and said unto her, 
there hath not come a razor upon mine head. For I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. I've been set apart from the very beginning. Been consecrated even before I was born. For as long as I can remember, I've lived this way. I've been a Nazarite. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. The problem is, Samson, is you were never meant to be just any other man. You see, you have a nation that's in a backslidden state that is depending upon you. You're not just another man, Samson. You're the hope for all of those with no hope. And you can't just throw it all away because not only will you suffer, but our entire nation will suffer. Church, we're not called to be average and we're not called to be common. But the Word of God describes God's church is a glorious church. It describes it as a powerful church. Amen. If you want common, go someplace else. If you want average, go someplace else. But if you want supernatural, I hope that you can find it right here in the midst of this church. Amen. Because this church is anything but average, anything but common. Because we serve a God who is anything but average and anything but common. Amen. The church is made up of individuals. You're not just another man. You're not just another woman. We're not just another church. We are the hope of the nation. And if we go down, it's not just us that suffers. But there are countless hundreds who will suffer. The world needs us. The world needs this message. Amen. You're not any other man. Praise the Lord. Lord God, touch your word today in the name of Jesus, we pray. And would the church say amen. amen. God bless you as you're seated today. Thank you, Sister Graham. Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord has been in this place thus far today. Amen. Feel the Lord in, in here. The downfall of Samson is perhaps one of the greatest disappointments in all of biblical history. Um, there's a lot of, lot of things where men failed. Uh, average men, men that weren't so average. But never in the Word of God was there ever any other man quite like Samson. He was in a league all of his own, a category all to himself. He was a man that could take on hundreds of enemies with no more than a jawbone of a donkey and come out the victor. 
I don't remember anywhere else where anybody else ever reached up and grabbed a hold of the gates of a city and ripped them off of their hinges and out of their foundation and carried them up a hill. I don't remember anybody else being able to accomplish and do the things that this man did. And so that's why to me when I look at the way his life ended, it was such a sad state of affairs when I thought about what he could have had, what he could have been. And when we look at his life and the good that was done and the thing, the thing that I see that leaves me with the most regret is the potential in him that was wasted. This man who at one time carried such a great anointing on his life. My, how the mighty have fallen, one man once wrote. I can look around even today in the course of my life and reach out and point fingers at men and women that I thought would never fail God and only to see that somewhere along the line they were distracted. Somewhere along the line the enemy found their weakness and preyed upon that weakness only to bring a mighty man or a mighty woman of God down to their knees and shame them. Samson was one such story. Samson was a Nazarite. Simply means that he was separated. He was consecrated. He was a person that had taken a vow to separate himself from certain worldly things and to consecrate himself unto God. Amen. I believe that that call still goes out to people that are in, in, in this place today. Amen. God doesn't just separate you from the world to separate you from the world and separate you from dark and evil things. But God brings us out of dark things for a purpose and for a reason. Amen. He didn't just bring you out of darkness to set you on his little trophy shelf that we call a church pew and uh, allow you to sit here until he called you away to heaven. But I believe that sitting in our midst today are mighty men and mighty women mighty super spiritual giants today that are able to do great and mighty things in this world that needs a church to be anything more than common and average but it's looking for a church a people that has the spirit of Samson when he was a Nazarite a person and a church and a people that are separated from the world and consecrated unto God among the Hebrew people, anyone, anybody could take the, the Nazarite vow. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the, the priest where you had to come from a certain lineage or be a part of a certain tribe. There were no tribal restrictions uh, if you wanted to take the vow of a Nazarite. It didn't matter if you came from the rich side of town or the poor side side of town. It didn't matter if you were a man or a woman. It didn't matter if you were a master or if you were a slave. All were free to take the Nazarite vow, but very few actually did it because it would have to cause them to come out from what they typically were, and a lifestyle of sin and a lifestyle of worldly pleasures. And if you read in the book of uh, uh, Judges chapter 13, you'll find that Israel was not in a good spiritual place at this point in time in its history. They had turned themselves away from God. Samson was different than everybody else. 
Samson was set apart. He had been dedicated for a purpose to be used by God in ways that the average man living down the street was not going to be used by God in. There are many things that we can learn from this story. Lessons that we need to understand. Lessons that we could apply. For if Samson could fall prey, if Samson could become victim with all of his victories, with all of his strength, with all of his supernatural abilities, then any one of us could fall prey to the very same things. We must be sober. We must be vigilant. We must remember that there is an enemy that is out to destroy us, that is out to devour us, that is out to keep us from heaven. And we must be vigilant against that enemy we are no different than he I would have loved to have met Samson's mother and father I mentioned it earlier in the service today I pray that they're in heaven I pray that when I get there I'm able to go up and 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 introduce myself we should have a little time on our hands to get to know some folks. And so I've thought often, you know, it'd be really cool to, to meet some of these people that, that we don't talk about too much. We talk about the Samsons, you know, but I, I really would like to meet his parents. I'll tell you why. They had to be dedicated people to have made the vows that they made on behalf of their son even before he was born. These were not just your average people. And although most of Israel was living uh, in darkness, spiritually speaking, they, even most of them, even though most of them were, were living in a backslidden state, not everybody was. And let me tell you something, just because you look around you and you see a lot of people living in darkness, you see a lot of your neighbors and your co-workers and, and different people that you come in contact with, even though they don't all live for God, don't you fret, you're not the only one serving God. You've got brothers and you've got sisters that are living for God and serving God. Don't be afraid. I'd like to meet them because they were a dedicated people. Not only were they dedicated, but they wanted their child to be dedicated. I have to ask myself the question, what have I dedicated my children to? As parents, we need to ask ourselves the tough questions. What experiences are we giving our children in our home that concern God? Amen. Are we teaching them faithfulness or are we teaching them the art of inconsistency and excuses? These are tough questions that we need to get real honest with ourselves sometimes because what we teach our children is oftentimes what they become. Do my children see me cry out to God or when I get in trouble, do I shake my fist and curse him? Dedication is not learned by what is said, but by what is seen. Samson's parents had to have an encounter with hope. The Israelites we're living sinful life. And there's always going to be a cost for sin. The first verse in 
Chapter 13 tells us that the Israelites had turned away from God, and so God had rejected them and turned them over to their captors. Now, anytime you ever uh, read in, in uh, the Bible anywhere, I don't think that as far as I'm concerned, my memory uh, serves me well, uh, that I can ever remember a time where the Israelites and the Philistines were all chummy. But I believe that the Philistines were almost always the mortal enemies of God's people. And yet here you'll find that when God finally said, okay, you've, you've made your point clear. You don't want me around. I'll back away. That what happened is their sinful lifestyle led them to a place of bondage and not bondage with people that were good to them. It led them into a place of bondage with their mortal enemies. Their most dreaded enemies were now their captors and masters. Just because most were sinning didn't mean that all the, all were. There was at least two that were in tune with God, and they began to prepare a way to freedom through this child. Something was going to be birthed from these two people that had not allowed the rest of the world to affect their relationship with God. And things went well. This little child by the name of Samson was born, and mom and dad, they held him, and they cared for him, and he probably looked like everybody else at that stage, and maybe he looked like everybody else even when he was uh, grew up to be an adult. We really don't know what he really looked like, uh, but, but we do know this, that God's anointing came upon him and he was able to do supernatural things. And, and so things began to go quite well for some time. And Samson had victory after victory. And he was a man of wisdom and understanding. And, and he was made a judge over the nation of Israel. And, and so all these things were going in his favor. When all of a sudden, Samson makes a mistake. He begins to look outside of the Boundaries that God had set for his life to satisfy his needs for a lady friend. His mother and father say, Samson, are there not any women amongst our own that, that, that appeal to you? He said, no, I don't see anything here that I want. I'm going to go hunt for what I want over in the Philistine camp. Let me tell you something. If the only place that you can find what you're looking for is coming from the enemy's camp, you don't need it. It'll destroy your spiritual life. It'll wind up leaving you dead. It'll wind up leaving you spiritually trampled on. It'll wind up leading you to a place of bondage. If the world is the only place offering it, stay away from it. He's wandering around and he sees something that he thinks he cannot live without in the camp of his enemies. But God didn't call Samson to be like his enemies. So why would you go get your provision from your enemies? It amazes me the people that will find themselves in a jam, and turn to everything but God. Even people that know God. 
I've said this before, uh, you know, there was one day I was kind of mumbling to God about something and complaining uh, to him. That's just, let's call it what it is. I, I was complaining about a situation and I was out mowing the grass and it seems like when I mow the grass, that's when God speaks to me. I, I, I don't know why, but, uh, you know, uh, he talked to Moses through a burning bush. He can talk to me through my Briggs and Stratton lawnmower. So uh, however God wants to speak, he can speak. I, I'm not going to question him, but that's when I seem to hear from him a lot, a lot of time. It just tunes out the rest of the world, and I'm talking to God, or in this case, complaining to God. And let's be honest, sometimes we, we do that, and we call it prayer, right? Uh, we complain to God and call it prayer. So I'm complaining to God, pretending like I'm praying to God, and, and uh, mumbling and complaining about this situation that's going on, and the Lord just gently puts this little thought inside of my heart, and I knew it was God because I don't say things that are profound like this, and he just kind of steps uh, down into the middle of things, and he said, well, Doug, he said, if you would pray about it as much as you're complaining about it, then I'll do something about it. And I said, ouch, I felt like I'd just run over my own toe with the lawnmower, you know. Sometimes we, we turn to other things when we ought to just turn to God. We ought to just look to God. And Samson, he could have found a beautiful, you can't tell me that there wasn't one beautiful woman in the whole tribe of all the Israelites, all the Hebrew people there. You can't tell me that there's not one good looking woman in there. He just wanted to do what he wanted to do. The world has to be seductive in order to get you not to see past the surface to what they're really all about. Because if we could ever look beyond the surface of what the world has to offer, we'll see that the enemy only wants us to be destroyed. Amen. Somebody needs to understand this today. If you're playing with the fire that the world is handing you, if you're playing with what seems to be a seductive thing that the world just seems to be laying in front of you and wanting you to come over to that side and just get a little taste to something, you better watch out. There's more going on behind the scenes of that story. It's not going to end well for you. You need to find what you're looking for in the camp of God's people. You need to find what you're looking for in the presence of an almighty God. I wish somebody clap your hands today in agreement with that because God is telling somebody you need to come back over into the camp of the Lord. You're not going to find what you're looking for. It's not going to fulfill you the way you think it will. Paul wrote, what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. Somebody here needs to take a Nazarite vow. Amen. You need to reconsecrate yourself to him. You need to understand that what he's got for you is greater than anything that the spirit of Delilah can ever give to you. You're not meant to be like other men. You're not meant to be like other women. So what if you stand out? So what if you're different? 
So what if you don't fit in with the rest of the world? So what if you don't go to the places that they all go to? Let me tell you something. We're at the end of this life. I don't plan on going to the same place that everybody else is going to. So why should I start now? Amen. I've got a narrow way to go down. I've got a narrow way to travel. Not a broad way that leads to destruction. God says if you want power... If you want anointing, if you want the supernatural, you cannot be like other men. You cannot live like other men. You must be separated. You must be consecrated. Yes. You're not like other men. Not if you're a true child of God. For we've been given the task of being the one to bring deliverance to our people whether that means your family or your co-worker, your school classmate, you've got a job to do. You know, what really bothers me is that it seems that as if we have tried to compete with the world, the church... in generalities, not every place, not everybody. There's a lot of phenomenal churches, but uh, but overall, it seems like we have tried to turn churches into nightclubs. We've tried to compete if we can get the bass drum thumping at just the right same tempo and and, and pound it up loud and get the lights flashing then then people will come out well uh, yeah you'll get people to come out but they won't be coming out for the reason that you want them to come out for I'll take the supernatural. I'll take somebody getting up out of a wheelchair any day over a concert, amen, and somebody hitting every note just right and the bass guitar thumping and all that stuff. I'll take a. I'll, I'll take a, somebody getting a supernatural experience of God. I'll take people being filled with the baptism and the Holy Ghost and the altar any day over a mosh pit of a bunch of people that are just moving to the beat of the music. Any day I'll take the supernatural things of God over the supernatural superficial things of this world any day Samson finally finds himself laying his head in the lap of a woman from the enemy's camp Delilah doesn't love him He's simply an avenue for her to gain profit for herself. We've got to understand this. The world doesn't care about you. The world doesn't care. It'll pretend that it cares. It'll pretend that it wants to include you. But really what it's trying to do is get its claws into you. It's trying to get you to lay your head down in its lap. Because the ulterior motive is not to make you look better or feel better. But it's to steal everything that separated you 
and take everything that you were designed for by God to be away from you. Here's this man who's been wise, who's been strong in so many ways. He's smart. He comes up with riddles and, I mean, he judges the Israelite people. I, he's a man, he's a man that has been respected and feared and both by friends and foe. He's, he's different than everybody else. And yet you find him laying his head down in the lap of a woman who's annoying him half to death. <laughs> Tell me, Samson, where, where do you get your strength? Well, he said, bind me with seven new cords and I'll lose my strength. And so she does. She wraps him up with seven new cords and says, hey, the enemy's here. And he jumps up and breaks them off like they're nothing. Well, put seven braids pinned together and then I'll be as weak as everybody else. She does. Screams the enemy's here and he gets up and he's as strong as he's ever been. But what's happening is he's getting a false sense of security. I can still feel God. I can play with this over here. I can lay my head down in the lap of this woman and I can tell her just enough to get her off my back for a little while, just, just to get me through another day, just to enjoy her company. And the entire time, the entire time she's pressing him, tell me how to destroy you. Tell me your secret. Tell me your weakness. He's getting closer and closer. And still, he keeps putting his head down in her lap. Thinking, Samson's got a couple too many muscles between his ears at this point, you know. And for a guy that's so smart, he sure is dumb. But see, that's what happens. You become start becoming blind to the things that are going to destroy you. Until finally she wears him out with her persistence. And the Bible says it came to pass that when she pressed him daily, there wasn't a day went by that she didn't talk to him about it. She didn't bring it up in the conversation one way or the other. Oh, speaking of that, what is the... It's like, what, what are you doing? You're changing the subject. I, we weren't talking about that at all. But see, she's got something on the line here. She's got an ulterior motive. And every single day she's pressing him and urging him, so much so that the Bible says his soul was vexed unto death. I'm looking at this whole thing saying, what kind of relationship is this? 
I'm hanging with this woman, and every day I just keep coming back over thinking it's going to be better, only to have her nag me about this whole hair thing again. What's my secret to my strength? And every day I come in, and she just presses me and presses me and urges me and urges me until the point where I just I just almost soon rather die. But what's he do? He gets up and walks back through the door again. He's vexed so much that the Bible says he finally tells her all of his heart. There's not been a razor upon my head for I've been a Nazarite from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Samson became more intimate with his enemy than he was with his God, it was over. Didn't start out that way. It started out by simply looking over in the direction of the Philistine camp. People with good judgment, the people that loved him more than anybody else, the people that loved him more than their own lives was trying to tell him, Samson, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't look for your answer over there with the Philistines. He used to have those conversations with God, but now he's replaced them with conversations with Delilah whose very name means weakness if you needed a sign there it is come on Samson even her name is a clue to you that you need to stay away She lets him fall off to sleep, which is always the case. It never happens overnight. People just kind of fade away slowly. They first start looking in a direction they shouldn't be looking, and they start walking and making visits, and then they create relationships, and the whole time they still come back over into the Hebrew camp, and they still have times where they feel God and they feel like because they can still feel God that everything's okay and that I can still handle any problem that comes my way but sooner or later everybody falls asleep sooner or later if you don't get out of the hands of this world if you don't quit laying your head down in the lap of this world you'll be asleep. And the moment you fall asleep, you'll wake up and find that all is lost. His hair is gone. 
with his hair, his vow is gone. His separation is gone. And his God is gone. He finds himself in a place he never dreamed that he'd be. Surrounded by enemies without God. You see, you cannot lay your head in Delilah's lap without eventually getting cut. There will come a time. It may not be the first time. There may be many encounters, but one day you'll wake up and find that the anointing is gone from your life, the power is gone from your life. And now you're not separated unto God, you're separated from God. And that's a dangerous place to be when there's nobody around you that's your friend. Would you bow your heads right now? Close your eyes. I'm simply trying to do what I feel like the Lord is requiring of me to do today but I need to tell somebody I need to plead with you don't play around with things that you've got no business playing with come to church and think that just because you still feel God that everything's okay you're not meant to be like everybody else Somebody here has a calling upon their life. There's a call upon your life. There's a power and anointing that God wants to give to you that is uncommon. It's mighty. And Satan wants to destroy that before it can ever be birthed in you. There's a tugging at you. It's got you looking over your shoulder. You know that God has spoken to you already. You feel a drawing and a stirring in your spirit, but there is also another part of you. Somewhere along the line, there's a distraction. There's something that's pulling at you. This message today is to keep you from putting your head in the lap of the one that wants to destroy you. I'm trying to keep someone from certain destruction. God has mighty things for you. Don't be destroyed over something that isn't even real. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.